0: <laughs> Spot of gold
1: Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Ramble by the River I'm your host Jeff Nesbitt It is Saturday, July 24th, 2021 Thank you so much for being here. I know you have a lot of options for entertainment, and I really appreciate you spending some time with me. Shout out to our first-time listeners. If this is your first time checking out the show, head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get podcasts and click that subscribe button, and you will automatically be updated on every new episode. So every Saturday, you get a new Ramble by the River. This show is about connection. To some people, that might mean connecting to each other. As you listen to the show and talk about it, that could mean connecting to a guest when you see yourself in one of their stories. Who knows? I know it's a lofty goal and it sounds cheesy, but I I really do wanna make the world a better place in some way, even if it's just making you laugh a little bit on a Saturday morning. I really do think of my listeners as family, you guys are the Ram fam, and I could not be more grateful that you exist. When I started this thing, I had no idea whether or not people would ever even listen to it. And so the fact that I have any listeners at all is just a huge blessing. And the fact that you guys are so cool and you continue to reach out and connect with me. By the way, if you're new, reach out to me on social media and let me know how you found the show. Let me know what you think of the show. Become part of the community. Connect. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Ramble by the River and at Ramble River Pod on Twitter. For business inquiries, guest suggestions, show related stuff, River at gmail.com. All of this information and much more, including links to things you might hear on the show and a list of topics that are discussed, keywords, all of it is in the show notes. I want to tell you a little bit about Willapa Bay. Near and dear to my heart, that's where I grew up. Pacific County, Washington is basically the land surrounding Willapa Bay and, you know, a big chunk of the Willapa Hills. It's a small county at the very southwest corner of Washington State, and it's my home. And it's a home to many of the guests you've heard on the show already, and most likely many of the guests you'll hear on the show in the future. This is what Wikipedia had to say. Willapa Bay is located on the southwest Pacific coast of Washington State in the United States. The Long Beach Peninsula separates Willapa Bay from the greater expanse of the Pacific Ocean. With over 260 square miles of water surface, Willapa Bay is the second largest estuary on the United States Pacific coast. Early settlers called Willapa Bay Shoalwater Bay, and this name can be found in old maps and charts of the region. Willapa Bay is fairly shallow. More than half of its surface area lies in the intertidal zone, and half of the volume of water enters and leaves the bay with every tide. The bay is an estuary formed from the Long Beach Peninsula, a long sand spit from the Columbia River to the south, partially enclosed the estuaries of several smaller rivers. It is a Rhea, which is formed after the rise in sea level at the end of the last ice age flooded several small river valleys. The North River, the Willapa River, and the Nacelle River provide most of the freshwater input into Willapa Bay. Other rivers that empty into the Willapa Bay include the Bone River, which I've heard is very nice for kayaking this time of year the Neowocom River, the Palix River, Cedar River, and the Bear River, among others. This place is filthy with rivers. The Bay is bordered by several small towns and unincorporated communities, and cities, what do they leave out the cities for? Such as Raymond and South Bend, both on the Willapa River, on, I'll go back to the Wikipedia voice, such as Raymond and South Bend, both on the Willapa River. Oysterville, Nakata, Bay Center, and Tokeland are on the bay itself. The bay is entirely located within Pacific County, Washington, and is home to a thriving local oyster and seafood industry. Approximately 9% of all oysters in the United States are grown there. That's pretty big. Willapa Bay is known for its biodiversity, and much of it, including the entirety of Long Island, has been set aside as part of the Willapa National Wildlife Refuge. The oyster beds in the bay help the ecosystem by providing habitat and filtering the water, improving its quality. The Bay's ecology was threatened in the 1990s by the spread of Atlantic cordgrass, also known as Spartina alterniflora, a non-native species of grass introduced possibly to help preserve wetlands and marsh areas and possibly simply by accident as packing material in the crates of oysters from the East Coast. The state of Washington has been spraying an herbicide thought not to threaten other species since about 2005, and the Spartina threat has been much reduced as a result. And seen. Okay, so that's Wikipedia. Take it or leave it. That's what Wikipedia says. So as we know, that's not always the best reference, but it's pretty good. I feel like that was pretty accurate other than the fact that it called Raymond and South Bend towns when they are, in fact, cities. And it's a little speculative when it comes to where the Spartina came from. But really, nobody knows, so they can do that. Yeah, anyway, that's my home. I love the bay. I I grew up a stone's throw from the bay. I've worked in the Bay for the last, geez, since I was 15. I'm 32, so I've, I've worked there over half my life, and I love it. I really, really do. My guest today is Chaplin at his fraternity at Washington State University, where he studies agricultural technology and production management with the intention of taking over the family business and raising and selling oysters and clams in the Willapa Bay, alongside which he was born and raised. Actually, maybe not born there. He was probably born around Astoria, but definitely raised right there on the bay. This guy really loves the bay. You can see the passion in his eyes when he talks about it. This kid, I mean, if he farted right now, it would stink like bay mud. I mean, he is in it. This kid is committed to the bay. I shouldn't call him a kid, he's much larger than me, but whatever, he already left. This kid knows the bay and he knows oysters and he's a hell of a nice guy. He's a hunter, an oysterman, and a hell of a conversationalist. Please give it up for the surprisingly large, Jeb Sheldon.
2: I could be the user change of scenery yeah. Everybody's smoking all the greenery yeah. Closed the matches they were handed down to me But I'm still fly, I'm still fly, I know I'm still fly, I'm still fly, let's go It could all be worse, I could be a hater like you all was, Clues to make the man, but that poison's gonna chew you. From the inside out, so right now, say it with your chest now. Say it with your chest now. I'm young, I'm free, can't nobody take.
0: actually just off we went out and looked at beds this morning we're we'll picking steaks and stuff and then just had to go move the shelf out around a little bit nice
2: yeah it was a hot
0: day today it was beautiful out the bay. it was gorgeous this morning <coughs> incredible definitely one of the better ones i've seen this summer
1: i miss going out there early in the morning yeah. there's oh, nothing It's like so it. great
0: yeah it makes the waking up worth it, and it makes all the long, shitty winter days worth it, too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Would you say your name into that? Jeb. Perfect. All right. You're in a fraternity, right? I am. How's I that? Am. Let's, actually, let's dive right in. Tell me all the stories of the crazy shit you've had to do.
0: It's been a, nothing like I thought it would be in the absolute best ways. I would say that for sure.
1: That's good, because it, there's some yeah. parts of it that seem like they'd suck
0: yeah and i mean going into it obviously that's kind of what i thought because that's the only experience i had through like movies and media and stuff but yeah no actually a lot of like you know community service like learning how to be a better person Mm -hmm. good stuff like that that Um, is good yeah no uh, the community service and our like philanthropy events are awesome we get into some cool stuff
1: that's awesome yeah um okay well Let's come back to that, put a pin in it. Sounds that's, good. That's great stuff for the show. Um, I'm going to s- periodically be adjusting these cameras. Gotcha. Um, and just for the first little bit so that I have stuff for promos. Oh, gotcha. And I promise only to use pictures that make you look ridiculous.
0: Awesome. I would expect nonetheless.
1: <laughs> Obviously, the show's not live, so say whatever the fuck you want. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm gonna do it this weekend. So this one is gonna come out on Saturday.
0: Perfect, okay.
1: I left the teapot on, No, I'm gonna go get that. (laughs) And you can feel free to practice, say the Pledge of Allegiance or something. Gotcha. Do you have any fraternal chants that you have to say?
0: Um, kind of, some anthems.
1: Some songs? Oh yeah. Would you like to sing us one?
0: No, I think I'm good.
1: (laughs) Oh, come on. I'll sing with you, can we Google the lyrics?
0: I'm sure for a while. Wait, that's probably not you allowed.
1: Huh? You'd have, then they'd have to kill me.
0: They do scrub a lot of that stuff off the internet. It's kind of impressive. But yeah.
1: That is impressive.
0: There was like one fraternity and all their, like, everything got leaked onto Wikipedia and it was a big deal. Everybody was pissed off. But like, there was nothing they could do, basically.
1: Yeah, what could you do? It's the Wild West out there. I forgot to get that camera going. Oh. While I'm setting that up, tell us a little bit about yourself. Anything really? Who are you? Who are you? What are you about?
0: Um, I'm Jeb. I have grown up in the oyster industry on Willapa Bay. Uh, I love going outside. That's where I really do prefer to spend my time even in the shitty months of the year. But that's pretty much it. I love nature. I kind of love seeing the stuff around me going on and trying to figure out why it's happening.
1: That is the best. So are you studying natural resources or something like that?
0: Uh, right now I'm in the Ag-TM program at WSU, which is oh uh, wow, yeah, ag tech and production management.
1: Oh, that's good, and, man. That's better. Uh,
0: it's the farming degree. I take a few of the environmental science classes. Uh, trying to get in this wildlife ecology one is going to be pretty fun, but I feel like, especially in the oysters, like you have to have a pretty full knowledge of ecology and what's going on around you because at the end of the day, you're in a pretty delicate ecosystem and Oh, you don't for want to sure. screw that up and it's, it's pretty easy
1: but yeah i think the college and young adult experience in 2021 is a really interesting perspective yeah. you guys are looking at a world that no one else has seen before because of technology and just where we have come as a species and you're doing it with just a lot of responsibility too because you're coming into the world as it's falling apart
0: <laughs> yeah I guess that, that's definitely a way to look at it. It's, a, uh, yeah, really, really different.
1: So we just had this heat wave, right? Mm-hmm. And this tiny peninsula got up to over 110 degrees. I've lived here my whole life, other than five or six years that I've been other places. But I've never seen it over 110, I don't think. Yeah. It's just generally very temperate and mild year-round. It's between, you know, it barely freezes and it barely gets over 90. It's yeah. just... Crazy. Do you see that as a sign of bad things to come? What, what what does that do to your alarm bells?
0: I mean, it was kind of shocking when it happened. I was like, I've seen multiple times where they've been like, oh, it's going to be this hot, or it's going to be this cold, or it's going to snow, and it rained, or it was like 80 degrees, and I'm like, eh, didn't really happen. <laughs> but no, I mean, I... I still don't know what quite to think of it yet. The thing that was shocking was just talking with my dad, grandparents and asking them like, well, have you guys seen this? My grandma's from Oysterville. My parents and my grandpa are from Ocean Park.
1: Yeah, okay. So North Enders, you guys yeah. have basically staked out your portion of the world there. Oh yeah. Your little Sheldon Kingdom. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Your family history?
0: Sure. So I'm pretty deep rooted down here. i A lot of it through the shellfish industry, through the commercial fishing industries. And um, actually where I live right now, I live one house down from my grandparents. It used to be one big property, and it was a dairy that my great, great grandparents owned, I believe. And we actually got to see some pictures of them last year that someone found in a file somewhere. And uh, we got pictures of them sitting on a tractor, like where my grandpa's house is now. Oh, wow. Like over a 100 years ago. And yeah, it was really cool. Definitely looked a lot different. A lot less trees on the peninsula that long ago. It was just noticed a big that sand too. dune. Mm-hmm. But yeah. It was like
1: that in the 60s. Yeah. Like there's pictures of like when, I, I bet your dad and my dad are probably close to the same age. Yeah. Well, how old your dad? Or what year was he born?
0: 1960.
1: Okay. Yeah. My dad was 64. Oh yeah. So pictures from that era. There's like, it's a bunch of little shore pines. Yeah. There's nothing out there.
0: But like Ledbetter Point, that big parking lot, the state park, um, when you would drive to that parking lot, I guess, there was not a single tree anywhere there. There's like, just beach. Yeah. You could look at the beach all the way around. and But you could also drive around the entire tip of the peninsula there. Yeah. And,
1: just plowing through snowy yeah. plovers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: And some people didn't make it all the way around. But uh-huh. uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah. My dad used to work for George Hill uh, up there doing the towing service and he's, yeah, they had to tow people out, out from Leadbetter Point all the way up and down the peninsula. It's a regular part of the business, towing people out of the surf.
0: Yeah. I see the posts when I'm away from home, especially on Facebook that are like, oh, look at this guy stuck in the sand. And I'm usually it's like someone on the approach. I'm like, all right, they just didn't hit the gas fast enough. But I see the ones like stuck in the surf, whether it's here, Oregon, California, and I'm like man, like that, that took some doing. You made a big mistake. Yeah. Yeah. You made
1: a series of mistakes.
0: Yeah. Just not understanding the tide table or did you want to go run through the surf and your rig broke down?
1: I think there's a good chance that some people don't even know a tide table exists.
0: I really think so. Like (laughs) Like I
1: I just looked up one today. I use them all the time. I imagine you use one a lot more.
0: I have an app, not in love with it at all, but. Which one? Um uh, I think it was magic seaweed is what I was using. Okay. The one
1: I have is just called tides, I think. Tides, yeah. And it's it's good. I mean it's basic. It's just like the paper ones.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: it's just called tides.
0: No, I I just, just have those like little that. Oh yeah, I like that. And
1: it just tells and you can look ahead and um, it also gives you weather stuff and Huh. Yeah, it's oh yeah, it's up here. It tells you the moon and all Oh yeah, that I'll stuff. have to
0: snag that one. It's not bad. No, but I just I have those little paper books everywhere. I have like yeah. four in my truck. Those are great. Just in my room, hung up on my door, just yeah. wherever I'm at, and I need to see. Well, I need to go do this today. Uh, can I do it? Look at the tide book, and it's either a yes or a no.
1: Get real animated for yeah. a bit. Move around, mm. make faces as <laughs> as as animated as possible. Gotcha. For the camera, okay. because then the it, camera. then it gives me like pretend I just said something terrible like <laughs> like you're just like ah and like i've offended you to your core those are great and things like that and i'll <laughs> then i throw them in those little montages where you know it looks like i say interesting shit <laughs> okay so your family history is it you on your mom's side too are they also from the north end of the peninsula yeah okay cool so you guys have a dynasty up there and so what do you do with your business
0: so uh, we sell bulk Pacific oysters that's really kind Ooh, of in our game they, they really are we sell a uh, big oysters with lots of meat in them and they all get shucked and sold in like gallons or jugs or whatever but yeah that's kind of our gig um something we've done for a long time we're pretty strictly bottom culture oysters so you have bottom which is you set the oyster in the mud and it grows up and then you have off bottom which is you put it in a bag that floats around, or you put it on a long line, which is just string that suspends it off. But
1: and what's the pros and cons of bottom versus off bottom?
0: I mean, there's plenty. Like uh, off bottom, you can really do like uh, nice shaped single oysters. That's mm-hmm. the Shigoku's, I think, is what the Taylor brand is, and I. Uh, oh, those are my favorite. Yeah, and those are all in the flip bags. Mm-hmm. So they. That tide action when they're floating up and down breaks the bill off just a little bit. So they yeah. form a really smooth, deep cup. So we're bottom culture. And I mean, they're the same exact species. It's the same oyster. It's just a yeah. little bit different method. The, sh-
1: the shell will look a little different on the outside.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, ones that are put into a bag as seed and they never sit on the mud and they're floating up and down, they're not going to have a big, gnarly shell with a. Yeah. Yeah. But no. The they, shells
1: are bizarre. Yeah. No, so no. how do they make the shell? Where does that come from? Where do they get the material?
0: That's a great question. They kind of build it little by little. So when they're like the size of a grain of sand is where they all start. And then they go set on, I mean, preferably a piece of clean oyster shell and they stick there and they just slowly grow off of that. But they like to set on random stuff, oyster shovels. We saw some on a cell phone they got left in the bay. So yeah, they stick to a lot of stuff. Uh,
1: they're just looking for something hard.
0: That's pretty much it. They look for something solid that they can grow up and survive on, and then they get big enough to survive on their own and kind of break off. But So
1: you know, they do break off and move around. They don't stay in the same spot their whole life?
0: So they stay pretty sedentary. The only thing that really moves them around is like tidal action. In some spots of the bay, they're pretty wild is what we call them, which means there's a lot of tidal action, and it'll roll them. I mean, we've had spots that look like a really good spot to put oysters, and you come back six months later and you're like, where are the oysters I put here? Oh shit, They just, and too much energy moving through. Yeah. I mean, they're laying in the slough, 300 yards away <laughs> or they're blown out into the channel and that kind of comes with like the working knowledge and history of what works and what doesn't. And I mean, the bay changes every day, the tides change, the wave action changes. So grassy Island, like obviously used to be an island at one point, not an island anymore. Mm-hmm. and I'd love to see how that kind of influenced the water flow into the bay and the tidal action in there. Have you ever walked all the way out there? A few times. It's cool. Yeah, it's a pretty neat spot.
1: Yeah, I love it up there. When I worked for the refuge, we used to go up and clear scotch broom. Oh, yeah. So, There's a ton of it up there. Oh, man. Young people who can do this job. There's some clippers. Just, <laughs> yeah, they gave us those swede axes. Oh, yeah. Where it's like a, a little bracket that holds a blade.
0: Oh, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah.
1: I, I've never y- really seen people use them very much, but uh, uh, they had a bunch of them at the refuge and they worked so good for chopping. Like, I loved it. It was a great workout. Just you pack a big lunch. No, oh, yeah. Spend an hour hiking out there because you can't drive through the snowy plover reserve. Yeah. So we parked just at the northern limit of vehicles and then either ferried people back and forth to the patches on a four-wheeler or eventually we, they stopped letting us do that. Cause we were like loading the four wheeler with like eight people and we switched to just walking. So yeah. we just hoofed it all the way. It was like miles. Yeah. And by the time you get there, you have like an hour to work. <laughs> so you yeah. clear an hour's worth and we could get a shitload of work done in an hour. Oh yeah. It was like me and Matt Kino. And
0: oh, really Eddie
1: Nick. And Dustin Manley and Jody Christie. It was like a, a group of very athletic people. Yeah. Colt you guys Schalke. had a crew going up there. Yeah. <laughs> It was fun, uh, my brother, and yeah. just a couple years there, there was just a huge list, lots more people I didn't say, but yeah, just really fun. And then, so you work for an hour, sit down, eat your lunch for an hour, hang out, get up, work for a couple more hours, and then walk back and your day's over. 20 years old, that's like
0: pretty solid perfect home. day. Yeah, that's pretty nice.
1: There's not a whole lot of responsibility or things like that involved when you're a bottom guy on the totem pole. That's working for the government, though. When you're working for the family business, is that a little bit different?
0: I mean, through everything you do, I feel like there's a little more sense of responsibility. Like, say you're picking oysters, and each one of those tubs, if we're picking transplant loads, which is moving seed to a harvest bed so they can grow up, if we're picking harvest loads, and that tub's supposed to be at 25 bushels, and you throw on 24, you're losing money. And I hope eventually to come back here and take over the farm and farm oysters. And I've always just kind of looked at everything I do. Like, you know, I want to set not only my family up for success, but one day I want to step into this. And I want to know that I made all the efforts possible to make it successful.
1: Yeah. When you're working with such big systems, that's probably a lot of planning, huh?
0: A lot. The interesting thing about oysters is like for what we do, it can be three to five years to turn a crop. We don't plant in the spring and harvest later. Yeah. It's, you got to have a lot of planning because you go harvest all your oysters and then you're like, oh, well, we didn't move any seeds. So we have nothing to sell for the next three years. That's, that can't happen or else you close the doors. So you can't miss a step. No, yeah. you gotta, you gotta stay pretty on top of it. Cause, uh, when you run out of product to sell, you're you're in a world of hurt. That's not fun. Has that ever happened? Not really with us. I feel like we've always been pretty on top of it just because uh, always looking ahead.
1: What's the year-to-year variation like? Is there a very big difference in yield like uh, on a, an El Nino year or something like that?
0: So there's always a little bit of variation in yield. Uh, we've never, I think, really found anything to tie it specifically to it more just depends on the bed and Mm. kind of what you're doing. Depends if you're hand picking them, if you're dredging them, which is just, you know, going over with a boat and using dredge bags and pulling them up. But, Mm -hmm. uh, it depends on the bed a lot because some beds make bigger, fatter, nicer oysters and some beds make smaller oysters. Exactly. And, you know, there's a million different things that are influencing it and you'll probably be able to figure out a couple in your whole lifetime, Mm. but... Yeah, I'd definitely say it's more of the area kind of bed. Mm
1: -hmm. That's why experience is everything. Yeah. The years of doing it is where you really get to know it. I remember when I first started going out in the Bay, first couple times I ever went out there as a teenager, I had no idea where I was. Like I couldn't have told you North from South, East from West. And within probably two years, I had every inch of that Bay memorized. And I remember just like feeling the magnitude out there, it just makes you feel kind of small. Like this, to be part of that system in any way feels special. I always loved that feeling. And you guys to have established uh, over generations, that must feel pretty good.
0: It definitely does. Uh, A lot of responsibility comes with it. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, a lot of hard times, a lot of issues kind of comes in waves, but at the end of the day, it's it's pretty damn rewarding to look out and just say, like, you know, we we built this. This was our family. This was my father and his father. And, yeah, pretty neat to be involved with anything out in the Bay, honestly.
1: Yeah. I think the Bay is something that really needs protectors. Oh, yeah. Because – and honestly, sometimes it needs protectors from the protectors. Yeah. And that's why it takes a whole community. I mean, are you – just finished your freshman year?
0: No, I'm heading into my junior year. I'm heading into your junior year, so yeah. two
1: years down halfway through, yep. uh, man, it goes by fast, huh? Yeah, it does. It's crazy. Yeah. Are, do you see yourself as like a lifetime steward of the bay or, or, or are you more of a businessman who's?
0: So, I mean, obviously, uh, they're viewed as two pretty different things, but, uh, I've really always viewed them as a single thing because you have to have a healthy bay to make money. If the bay becomes unhealthy, you don't make money and you don't have a business. I've always really considered myself a steward. I've seen the things that my my grandpa especially has fought for through the Spartina program, through everything like that. Going out with him as a little kid and spraying Spartina, like it's, I mean, the effort and time and money on equipment and just constant commitment to keeping it clean out there, always really keeping the health of the bay in mind is pretty inspiring. But uh, no, it definitely you got to be a steward to work out there. I think everybody does. That's
1: totally the way it looks. Like, I know your dad a little bit. He's always advocating for a clean, healthy bay. It's good because not everybody understands the complexity.
0: No, definitely good to listen, good to kind of sit back and figure it out. But that's one of the reasons I've always thought, you know, people in the oyster industry truly are some of the best stewards of Willapa. I, mean, I agree. They are there every day on their hands and knees in the mud. They yeah. see everything that changes out there. They see possible issues. They see issues that have gone way too far. I mean, uh, the green crab, for example, I had never seen one in my entire life working out there. I went out picking one day last summer, and we pulled four off of one bed. Yeah, they're I, all over. Yeah, we had never seen them. And now it's, I mean, Fish and Wildlife's website I seem to get an ad from them on some sort of social media every day, and it's just that picture of a green crab. And we kind of went to the local extension and we're like, hey, you know, we just found these today and we've never seen them here, so we should probably get something going. And then, I mean, a few months later, it became a pretty big issue, and it's still a big issue. It's, yeah. I think it's going to become bigger.
1: What are we going to do about it? I mean, it's, it's similar to the issue with the japonica.
0: Yeah. There's
1: marina, another kind of eelgrass. That's protected, right? And so people can easily get that confused, but it's not the same thing. They don't grow at the same exact elevation. It's really similar. Yeah. Uh, they they grow in very similar areas, but people who are out there every day know the difference, right? Without a question.
0: Yeah, I mean it's, I.
1: Apples to oranges.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what. That's it not is. even. We're not even talking no. honey
1: crisps to pink ladies. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, it's. Uh, it's apples
1: to motherfucking oranges.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of them's like, we'll we'll say like fettuccine pasta. Yeah. The other angel hair. Like it's, yes, it's exactly. Pretty, it's, that's pretty, a fantastic way to yeah, describe it. No, actually, I'm, I'm gonna steal that. Yeah, go for it. It's, yeah, yeah, the, free and clear. <laughs> the
1: what's the? No, nah, I don't know my pastas. I'm not. Yeah, I'm me, not a huge pasta me guy either. <laughs> Do you eat pa- a lot of pasta? Honestly. Not a ton. Do you guys man. do meals together as a fraternity? Do you we guys do. eat a lot together?
0: Yeah, so we have a a chef that lives in the house. No shit. Yeah, she's we actually got that a super so good one great. this year. <laughs> the the last one like really good, awesome lady cooked us some good stuff. But, lives
1: in your house? Um.
0: Oh wait, I'm sorry. Not lives. at cooks in the house. <laughs> cooks in the house. Not bad. <laughs> okay. We have
1: like a full. And you're saying she's topless all the time? <laughs> Never. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Fraternities have changed, guys.
0: They really have. Yeah, a lot. Some for the better, some for the worse. But, yeah. No, the chef we got this year, she cooked in the White House. She was an ex-Navy chef, and she cooked for sororities. And she came to our, like, kind of local organization and was like, I am done cooking for sororities. Please let me cook for the house. Wow. She would cook us the best stuff of all time. It was breakfast every Friday for lunch because she said it's a cure for thirsty Thursday was her term, but no, she, she cooked us some really good stuff. I actually took, uh,
1: feel free to get into it. I yeah. love talking about food.
0: Dude. I took like, I think like 40 pounds of steamer clams over there and oh some oysters God. and she cooked them all up for us. Like, Did she
1: use white wine?
0: She didn't on those. She oh, just, man, I
1: bet she, she would have. It would have been good. I know. What, how'd she cook them?
0: Uh, Just how I told her was some water and some beer in there and it was great. Oh,
1: the traditional way.
0: That's just the traditional way. Do you
1: ever use Old Bay seasoning or anything like that?
0: I really don't. They've got a lot of
1: flavor. Yeah, they do. Without anything.
0: My recipe, I've always just kept her simple. And I mean, it's not mine. I'm taking it from my parents, but it's, you know, some water, a beer or two over there and Mm -hmm. a stick of butter and some garlic and you're golden. That sounds really good. They just, they got their own flavor. That's pretty damn good.
1: That's probably my favorite. Actually, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm liking oysters a lot more than I used to. Yeah. But manila clams have always been my favorite of the seafood. They were the one I liked very first, other yeah. than like Dungeness crab, yeah. which is the king of seafood. The best seafood. crab of all time. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's, it's the king of crabs, even above <laughs> that bitch king crab.
0: I'm so, It is <laughs> way better than king crab. It's that
1: just... pulpy, stringy shit. Actually, I've never had king crab, I'll be honest. Yeah. But it's because Dungeness is so good and it's readily available. I was going to
0: say, like you're, I don't think you're going to be too impressed when you've had Dungeness for your whole life. But. It's so expensive, king yeah, crab. it and is.
1: It's like 40 bucks for it's a, a, a couple legs. Yeah.
0: But, yeah.
1: You a big food guy?
0: Honestly... Kind of. I like cooking my own food. Big wild game chef. Oh. Like I love cooking that stuff. Up. Right on. That's...
1: So you're a hunter then, I assume. Oh, yeah. You want to right talk on. about hunting a little bit?
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: How long have you been doing it?
0: Um, I've been going out since I was, let's see, probably six or seven. Wow. Just in a, like, grabbing onto my dad, like, please let me go hunting today. <laughs> I want to go out there. It's just something I've always been really driven to do, but, uh, I think I got my first animal when I was about 12 or 13, somewhere in there. And
1: you, uh, packing a BB gun around before that?
0: I actually was. I packed around all the time. Ocean park kids, man. I know. I just, I feel like that kind of comes in the starter pack when you're in ocean park. Like <laughs> it does. All right. You're six. Here's your BB gun. Like yep, don't shoot nobody's knife. window out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No. How yeah. old were you when you got your first pocket knife?
0: six. I remember I got this awesome scar on my finger right here from it. Cause that's <laughs> the first thing everybody does is cut their finger open with a pocket knife. How'd you do it? I was like cutting a buoy in half or something dumb because I was a kid with a knife and you I use your to pocket knife something. for
1: even every task. Yeah, I'm going to cut down a tree with this. Exactly. Thing. Yeah. It's not wise, but you're just so excited to have it. Yeah. You're a big boy.
0: Yeah, exactly. You're like, I'm, I got trusted to have this. This is cool. And then half hour later you're like well i just cut the hell out of myself
1: <laughs> yeah i got mine taken away because i threatened to stab my sister oh wow um she was gonna tell on me for misusing the knife god i was carving something into a tree i believe and into an alder tree
0: that sounds like the perfect use exactly intended use
1: exactly she was always tattling on me <laughs> and so i i was putting my mark on the tree and she came up and caught me and said she was gonna tell i was like if you do i'm gonna stab you with this knife <laughs> And it was a Swiss army knife with my initials engraved in it. It was really cool, but needless to say, I got it taken away and I didn't get it back actually ever, but I got a new knife like a couple yeah. months later. I got an old timer.
0: Oh like, yeah. Uh, the classic.
1: That's really is an old man knife too. Yeah, that's, that's the classic one. What but kind of knife did you have? What was your favorite knife growing up?
0: I got the little, the buck, like three folder. I oh. that guy for a long time.
1: Did you ever use the the two smaller blades?
0: No. You no use one ever one does one blade and it's by the time you're done with the knife it's like filed down to the size of the other blades or smaller. So yeah. I,
1: I've I've had a few of those where it's just like, you know, yeah. why well, even put these on here? I but know. Unless you need selling. something
0: like really sharp. Like you mm-hmm. need to you're like I need that's, a real sharp one. That's actually knife true. This, but, you need like a razor
1: sharp one, you keep yeah. that one tucked away just for special occasions. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, but uh yeah.
1: I used to actually collect knives when i was a, a child <laughs> oh yeah yeah it was just something i've always really liked yeah I, I love tools yeah and a knife is a tool that you can do a lot of shit with exactly. and it yeah. wasn't creepy and it wasn't weird like people are saying and thinking themselves right now but <laughs> it, it was it was dope i loved my knife collection and it was a bunch of old shitty knives i was a poor kid i didn't have like yeah. fancy knives but yeah i had a old one of those clear view drawers oh yeah and i would just ac- accumulate knives so i had like a steak knife in there i had a bunch of <laughs> bunch of old reject pocket knives fishing knives yeah and all, all kinds of knives yeah. camping knives that was like a go-to gift oh it's birthday time Give jeff knife. another knife
0: yep <laughs> <laughs> i guess i did kind of collect the pocket knives for a while there i feel like it's something that everybody gets into at some point when they're, they're younger cool. like they're they are cool. cool yeah Yeah. but That's anyway hunting true. back to hunting. Yeah.
1: <laughs> tell me about your hunting life
0: so uh I mean, started, like, I don't think crazy young, but uh, I was definitely younger, and I just loved everything about it. I loved going out there with my family. I loved uh, watching something go from standing there to on the ground, us all working to get it field dressed out, and then uh, we would all get together. Growing up, I can only remember, like, one or two times that we took an animal to a butcher, and... I mean, we'd have a few animals. Everybody would pick one day. We'd get together, and we would just all butcher them out. And, uh, it's a bonding thing. It is. And, like, the, there's kind of different hierarchies throughout the cutting up. Like, you start as a little kid, and you're kind of, like, cleaning up stuff, or you're grabbing this for this guy. and Doing a lot of watching. A lot of watching. And then you get older, and the the kind of entry position was the chef position. So they'd give you, like, you know, a little slice of backstrap or something. And they're like, all right, go cook this up for everybody. And then you go feed the guys who are actually working. And then you kind of graduate to meat cutter and you do your thing. And kind of the reserved special spot for the senior members is the uh, the vacuum packer. That's just, oh. I don't know why. You That's get the nice clean, a nice, clean, blood-free meat. Yeah it's, yeah, it's wrapped up in a bag and handed to you, <laughs> but yeah. Nice. No, but... That's I, a beautiful system. Yeah. We, and it's uh,
1: multi-generational. Yeah. That's a great thing for a family to do. Yeah. Getting the whole family together with the grandkids and the grandparents and everybody and you're, you're bringing food into the family. Yeah. That's a really like a primal, primal thing.
0: It's awesome. I mean, like my mom and my aunts would bring up like pots of elk stew and stuff when we're cutting stuff up and Mm -hmm. dude i let the kids
1: help me bring in the groceries from costco so i totally get it like
0: it's about the same
1: i mean they don't put them away right so i don't always let them but (laughs) if i'm in a good mood i will that's fair yeah
0: no but from there the hunting just i mean really took off for me i uh do you
1: go with a group or do you go by yourself or, or all of the above
0: i really switch it up so uh i've gone with a group like i usually my family was my group they're my group, that's who I uh, mainly hunt elk with. Um, but I've kind of branched into my own thing when it comes to, like, deer and bear because elk was kind of always our main thing. Like, growing up, that was, well, it's elk season. We're all going to go hunt for elk season.
1: That's kind of the gold standard. Everybody wants an elk. I
0: I understand why. It's delicious. <laughs> it really is. And it makes
1: you feel fucking great.
0: Yeah, and it's they're just they're awesome creatures. not the same creatures. as other food. Yeah. They're incredible. There's so much more than just hunting season when you really get into it and just the year round stuff watching them but
1: yeah like what are they all doing right now I know if you know that you have a lot better chance of finding yeah. them during hunting season
0: which is why you got to go hang cameras up and go hike around and actually put your eyes on animals and yeah that's I uh I just the one thing that really ticks me off especially on Facebook when I see all these hunting things is like well I hunted for 10 days straight in the pouring rain and I didn't see anything and I'm like Well, you went somewhere where there were no animals, or you just can't. You scared them away with your whining. Yeah, or you were five steps off a logging road that four hundred people have driven up, and like you got to find your own opportunities. You got to find a little corner where someone's not going to hike to. You got to
1: where there's animals. Yeah, and And you have to find animals.
0: Exactly, it is hard, and that's why not everybody harvests an animal every single year. But that effort that you put in when it's not hunting season makes your hunting season. Like, I mean, you couldn't be a professional basketball player and never pick up a basketball, and then it comes finals, and it's like, all right, let's roll. We're going to win this thing. But No, you're not going to do well. Yeah, I mean.
1: But that is what a lot of people do.
0: It is, and I understand it because years and years ago, like generations ago, you could hop in the pickup, drive up a logging road opening day with four of your buddies, you'd all shoot bucks, load them up, and drink beer, and cut them up the next day. Yeah but
1: it's a different world.
0: It's just not the way it is anymore. The animals have evolved, the roads have changed, there's a lot more gates that people can't get behind and it, a lot less habitat. Yeah, exactly. And it just uh it's different. It it is harder. And it's But there's still a lot of animals out there. 100% there yeah, are. They just, just they don't want to die either. Well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: it's it's something that I totally just took for granted. I just started hunting last year yeah. and it was really a great experience. I've yeah. spent so much time in the woods, so I'm always seeing animals. And honestly, for for most of my life, I, I hated seeing people's pictures from hunting. Yeah. Um, and it's honestly, I was fucking jealous.
0: <laughs> I was like, I am out there all the time. Yeah. I could do it. I just you are like, I've seen an animal 10 times bigger than this and it's been 20 feet away from me and I couldn't do anything about it.
1: I love being out there even when it's raining, yeah. like picking mushrooms and just smashing through the brush and being loud and obnoxious. Yeah. Um, and I, I've made a habit of that's how I travel through the woods. I sing out loud and I smash through stuff so that I make a bunch of noise in a big fucking show to scare away animals that are going to eat me.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, you might you must not see many bears out there.
1: <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. Until I started picking mushrooms, when you find a patch, you're down. You crouch down, and, and you're pulling, and you're you're not moving a lot. And yeah. I'm just like a, a mushroom-picking robot. Yeah. And I, I, I feel it in my DNA, like uh, I'm gathering this food that I don't even want to eat. I don't even like them. But <laughs> I, I, once I find one, I pick it, and then my, my eyes just go over the terrain and look for, like, the, the signs that they're... Could be more, and i I shit you not, I can tell where they're gonna be just by some just analyzing the ground or yeah. or knowing just like how water's gonna run down this hill yeah so it carry the spores here. and I don't actually think about any of that stuff. I call it my spidey sense because <laughs> I can be walking through grass that's up to my hips and I'll just start feeling like alarm bells going off, and yeah. I don't know if I smell it or or if i I just can tell, but I'll pull the grass apart and Mushrooms right there.
0: It can be pretty tough. That is the one thing. Um, so kind of get, like, when I was younger, I'd, I would, uh, I mean, and I'll say younger, not old enough to drive, basically. Because that's a huge, like, divider of your hunting capability is Access if you have a vehicle. Yeah. Like, you can hop in that thing and drive into another state and go hunt something else. But if you don't have a vehicle, like, you're pretty localized. Yeah. But uh and
1: it's also not great to carry a gun around outside no, of a vehicle.
0: not really good, I mean, it's slightly accepted in ocean park if you're not waving it, but yeah, and you yeah. better be wearing hunting orange <laughs> exactly <laughs> no, but uh grow like I do uh, a lot of waterfowl just because there's a ton of opportunity for that. I wanted to get out there and do stuff, and it's a way longer season, and I would. Beg my grandpa to drag me out there, and he would, and I'd go sit there and shoot ducks. i get my dad to take me out there and shoot ducks, and then I... Do you eat ducks? I do. I actually really did not like them when I first started shooting them, but I would eat them because I knew that I shot it, and I got to eat it. Just like me with the mushrooms. I know. <laughs> but, but did you learn to love them? I learned how to cook them. Yeah. The right way. How do <laughs> you do it? So I make a lot of mine into jerky, just because... Oh duck jerky is freaking awesome wow and, i never
1: heard of that that sounds oh, great
0: i'll definitely have to bring you some at some point but yeah right it's on. Uh, it's awesome especially if you i i kind of like making jerky just because you can make it like you know the hard tough stuff that you just chew on in the truck or you can make it like kind of supple like freezer jerky and so yeah,
1: jerky is one of my favorite
0: foods yeah <laughs> it's, oh, so, it's good. so good good but yeah. I make still probably two, three batches a year of duck jerky. Awesome. Do you
1: dry it or smoke it or what?
0: I smoke it. I'm going to get a dehydrator just because it's 10 times easier to make jerky. It's not as good, though. I know, but... I yeah. have a
1: dehydrator, and yeah. so I make, like, a lot of stuff with it. Dried fruit and yeah. I preserve... Mostly I preserve mushrooms, like... Because you get those King Boletes porcini yeah. mushrooms. Even a small one makes a shitload of mushrooms yeah. like uh, for food. You really can do a lot with it. So I dry them and make mushroom stock powder. Oh, yeah. Uh, put it in soups or spaghetti. It goes good in anything. It may, yeah. just adds like a nice earthy element. Plus, I think they're full of nutrients. That, oh, yeah, i sure. all kinds of really good stuff in them.
0: And isn't it awesome to like pull something off the shelf that you put on the shelf and It feels harvested really good. yourself. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty neat. But... Uh, No, just, you know, kind of little kid, like getting out there as much as I could. And then I got a truck and everything kind of opened up. So have you got an elk? Yeah, I've got got a few.
1: What was your first experience like?
0: It was a really good one. I didn't see a herd that I thought I was going to see. And I had kind of planned on seeing. And I mean, I had dreamed about it for days. I'm just like, I'm going to go there. I'm going to get my elk. It's going to be awesome. And then uh, my grandpa and my dad were there, and I just remember watching this one bull step out into the field, and he got a good shot and made a good shot. But, uh, no, it was incredible. Definitely something that it's – there's nothing that feels like that. I mean, it's amazing every single time, and it's definitely a huge rush, but your first one is pretty pretty interesting. But I've really been branching out and do as much as I possibly can in Washington State.
1: Yeah, I just got my first animal last year. Oh, what'd you get? I, I got a deer.
0: Awesome, man.
1: And it was a completely lucky thing that happened. Me and Sawyer had walked around quite a bit, like for a week, probably every day, walked all day looking. And it was our, our first time together. And we just hadn't really seen much. And also, we had a hard time sitting in one place, Yeah, which is something that I think you kind of have to do. And
0: it depends, definitely.
1: Yeah. We did we couldn't really do it at all. Yeah. Like I'm very antsy. I don't like sitting in one place. And he, I mean, he was a kid. He's 11 at the time, but just turned 12 maybe. And, um, but then we were dry, driving out of the logging road and a Buck just came walking up the road. So we got out of the truck and shot it and ate it.
0: <laughs> Those are the best ones, man. I'd, it was great. Sometimes it really is better to be lucky than good in the woods. <laughs> that's, that yeah. has a lot of truth to it because, I've heard some stories like that of people I, that have killed the biggest animal that they've ever killed in their life. And it's like, I pretty much turned around and he was standing there and I'm like, well, that's nice. And I hope that happens yeah. to me one day. Yeah. And
1: yeah. then right after that, I spent two weeks just hiking my ass off alone in the rain trying to get a spot like you're saying trying to find that little hidden grove somewhere where there's just there a bunch of elk just standing there i kept just thinking and i was going so slow and being so quiet and uh making sure i was not i was working with the wind and just trying trying really hard but i just didn't prepare enough and i didn't know where the elk were i i couldn't camp out there and i don't have access to private property so i'm on public land and it's just like Yeah. Do you hunt on private land or do you mostly do public land too?
0: So, uh, I do do a little bit of private, but for the last couple of years, I've really done a lot of public, uh, a lot of like hunt by written permission, a lot of the fish and wildlife programs that they had. Uh, a lot of it, I am in Eastern Washington. So I think there's, a lot more acreage over there. That's open through the fish and wildlife program. Oh,
1: okay. But, so you're out there hunting in open rangeland, right?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, cool I, last year for me was, I feel like one of the most progressive years that I've had as a hunter just cause I traveled everywhere. Like I, I harvested an elk on the West side. I got a bear in the Cascades and I got a deer on the East side. And oh, I, wow. I mean, that was, Pretty much the only silver lining of being on classes online was that I could travel to hunt, but like I... What an
1: awesome year. So I you know. did your school on your laptop yeah. while you're traveling and doing these hunts and probably having other adventures along the way too.
0: Pretty much. I, uh, uh, right
1: on. That sounds badass.
0: Yeah. I got to go over to Montana with a group of friends that had antelope tags and... It was, yeah. I didn't even know there fun. were
1: antelope in Montana. Yeah, we I got thought one. that was like an
0: Africa thing. I kn- There's some in Washington, though. What? Yeah, Prosser. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah.
1: So I imagine they, they're tasty.
0: They were pretty damn good. They made antelope chili, and I really liked it.
1: Oh, man. I'd serve something with cantaloupe with that just for the rhyme. Yeah. Right on. That sounds like fun. So the bear. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> A black bear? Yeah. Did you eat his heart for the courage? <laughs>
0: I did not eat the heart. Probably should have. Ah, you let all that courage go to waste. (laughs) I know, man. (laughs) But I actually do... This started last year really into the elk and deer heart now. Oh, it's delicious. It's amazing. Yeah,
1: we ate the heart too of the deer we killed. The liver... I ate that liver too.
0: I never waste them. I always find somebody that wants them, but... I just think i don't I haven't had it cooked the right way, honestly it's not
1: delicious <laughs> it's that's I, fair I don't enough. think unless but, you've made pate or something I, yeah. I don't know but it's I just the knowledge that it's the most nutrient dense piece of food on the planet basically yeah is enough to make me eat it that's
0: fair enough i should I'd really like to just take it by myself and figure out a way to cook it that I could at you least tolerate it, it. spread and it on toast it co- man
1: put it yeah. I don't know. <laughs> But I mean, chop it up and put it in chili.
0: Yeah, that would I guess be great. So. Yeah,
1: that'd be great. Actually, I'd throw the heart in there too.
0: Yeah, for the courage. I, I started making the heart tacos.
1: Oh my god, that sounds so good. They're incredible.
0: They're I, I cooked up my elk heart and I took it to some people. I'm like, oh yeah, I try this and, everybody, no, nobody wants to try it. Not like that sounds A bunch horrible. Of and I'm like, dude, I'm like try it. It's good. And ate it. This isn't this isn't the heart. I'm like, yeah, it is. It's pretty damn good if you cook it right <laughs> yeah
1: so, you know what i found insane about the heart was the strings inside oh i know all those little white strings heart that are strings. your heart strings yeah. and i was pulling a, like that hit me when i was pulling them out i was like pulling on these little and i was like yelling to Melissa, i was like there's all these little strings in here in the heart i'm like pulling out these strings I was, like oh <clears throat> that's probably why they say that it must be
0: so whoever wrote that song was a fucking murderer <laughs> They definitely were. (laughs) No, but the hunting is a lot of fun. I spend, I mean, that is the one big thing I'm focused on during the winter is hunting. Yeah. I love being outside. I love seeing animals, even if I'm not hunting. Uh, I drive over White Pass to go to school a lot, Mm -hmm. and I stop up at that feed station they have right over White Pass, and there's a huge elk herd that gets in there all winter. Oh, man it's a, bull. I, you get to see bulls that, I mean, you would never have a chance at seeing yeah. out in like normal country. And you look at them and you're like, wow, these are actually like wild elk that are just getting, you know, kind of supplemented during the winter, but.
1: Yeah. Pretty cool. Is this like a high fence program or is it actually like open, open country?
0: So it's like big, uh, high fence around like the parking lot area, but these elk are just coming off the hill. Okay. Yeah. It's the Oak Creek feed station over there. Mm. But uh, no, and you just see the big military truck with like bales of hay on the back and they're going through and tossing them off and the elk are eating them. So
1: that's a spot the elk know they're safe and they can go eat.
0: Well, they go there. I think they set that program up and I'm not an expert on it just because they knew that that was such tough country that those elk needed a little bit of supplement through the winter. Okay. And- I mean, the winter's tough this is like on it's like a them. homeless shelter for elk. Pretty much. <laughs> but the, uh, it's a the, soup kitchen. Yeah. That, that I think that's a pretty solid analogy for what it Those
1: is. Those probably don't exist anymore, soup kitchens. There's a lot of homeless people. I don't see yeah. many of them with cups of soup.
0: No, probably not. But yeah. I don't know. That's
1: just a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> um, what were we just talking about? Deer.
0: Oh, yeah. Pshh.
1: You probably knew this already, but I had my mind blown. So I was watching Wild Kratz. You ever watch Wild Kratz?
0: I'm not sure. It's a PBS show.
1: Okay. The Krat brothers. They're it's these super
0: familiar for some reason. Like
1: middle-aged rascals of men who go around having animal adventures, and I don't mean bestiality stuff. They have these power suits where they can touch an animal while they're holding their power disc and you know, they get the animal's powers. So I'm watching this show with my daughter. It's her favorite show. And she somehow has, she started telling me that it's my favorite show. So she like tells me we can watch it as like, a, as a, you know, as a, th- she throw me a bone. Like, hey dad, you want to go upstairs? We can watch Wild Kratts. Like, oh, yay, cool. But I do like the show. It's just, you know, it's, it's definitely, I'm doing her the favor. <laughs> I, I just want that to be clear. But I'm, so I'm watching the show and I find out Reindeer are not the same thing as caribou, which I learned uh, probably first grade. I, I remember learning that fact that oh yeah, a, rainbow, a reindeer and a caribou is actually the same thing. That's a bunch of bullshit. I've been I've been wrong for like twenty five years. Yeah. Did you know that?
0: Honestly, I don't think so. They're pretty. Damn it similar. showed the the
1: reindeer like first. It's showing caribou, and they're talking about it like oh yeah, this is the caribou, and they're People always think they're reindeer, but they're actually not. And then it showed the actual reindeer. And I was like, I have never seen that fucking animal before in my life. (laughs) And I, like, I mean, we didn't do Santa at my house for Christmas, but I felt like I saw reindeer around, and they always looked like caribou. Never like these squatty midget little. They looked like a mini horse. Um, It was like a domesticated-looking creature (laughs) with horns, though. Like, really freaked me out
0: yeah i'm sure it did the other one is those fallow deer like tell me about to, this oh they try to pawn them off as rain it's like the so there's this place up in longview like a christmas tree place and you cut and they've uh they've got all these fallow deer because fallow deer and red stags are the only two you can raise in washington like domestically mm, but what's a red stag they're fr- originally from new zealand i believe and they're like they can be super big trophy animals like they're They're like a kind of a deer, but you look at them and you're like, that's bigger than most of the elk racks I've ever seen in person in my life. (laughs) But.
1: Okay. No. Are they sterile or something? How can you raise them without it being a problem?
0: I'm not sure. I, I know that there's some reason why you can, maybe it's, they're not like closely related enough to successfully reproduce or Mm. something like that. But we went up to this place and they're like, you know, advertise the reindeer, reindeer. And I get there and like, yeah, those are all fallow deer. <laughs> but no, it was pretty cool though. I'd love to have a couple of those little guys as pets someday. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah. Would you want to turn your mic up just a little? Oh yeah. Bit till it's just a little bit, at maybe a hair over nine o'clock.
0: Let's see. How's that looking for you? Perfect. Perfect.
1: Okay, I'm gonna pull out Melissa's list because <laughs> right. if I don't say them all, she'll never let me hear the end of it.
0: I can't believe you didn't ask him
2: this. <laughs>
1: I'm just kidding. She's pretty cool about it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I forget a lot of stuff. The other day, uh, I don't even know if I want to tell this story. <laughs> Makes me look really stupid, <laughs> which I'm not. So Missoula Children's Theater. Do you know it? I do. I feel like you would. You ever do one?
0: Unfortunately.
1: Ah, What did you do?
0: Oh, I was, I was a, a seahorse in some play as a very young child. <laughs> did you love it? No.
1: <laughs> it's a love or hate thing.
0: I think I was on the hate side.
1: (laughs) Doing a play as a kid will separate you into one camp or the other. Yeah. So they were in town last week, and my daughter and my nephew were in the play. They were doing The Emperor's New Clothes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they had this actually 18-year-old doing, uh, which is always kind of strange when they have 18 year olds yeah. in the children's theater i did one when i was 16 and it was pushing the limits i was wearing chil- a children's costume and i was like over 200 pounds uh so my and i had decently long hair probably around where yours is at right now and it was like sticking out of the costume everywhere and it was just I, my belly was hanging out i have quite a long uh arm span and the the sleeves on my thing it was like mid forearm which added to the character i thought that was actually what otherwise it's just like no nah, you're just like a grown man sized person doing a children's play and it's kind of sad but i i thought that the the small costume kind of allowed me some kind of a okay he's in on it yeah But uh, i went and watched this play this weekend and i i don't think that it came off that way at all <laughs> just because uh, uh anyway i digress i'll tell the story okay so the there's two showings one at noon and one at 5 p.m. My wife she likes to go to both. So she wanted to go to the early show and then I was going to bring Amelia who's 3 so we can't bring her to two plays in the same day because she might not make it through it once let right. alone twice. So like we're going to bring her to the early show, then take her home, let her take her nap, everything shall be fine. I had an idea to get some flowers for my daughter before we go. And I was also going to use that as a justification so that when my wife left because my Amelia doesn't want to hang out with me, I'm I'm chopped liver, that's callback. Uh, I'm chopped liver, and she wants nothing to fucking do with me. If her mom is an option, or her older sister, or her auntie, or her grandma. Actually, now I'm thinking about it, she's a sexist. She's a full-on sexist. That's it. Amelia's cancer. canceled. Cancelled, man. Yeah, In
0: the tender age of three is <laughs>
1: getting out of hand. But yeah, so anyway, that was the plan. We're get, and I was like Amelia. Let's go get some flowers. We'll let them go. We'll go get some flowers and then meet them at the play. We're going to go to the early show. So obviously I want to go to Safeway to get the flowers. When it comes to buying a bouquet, there's no better bargain than Safeway. We'll put some music behind this and it will. we'll try to sell it to Safeway as an ad. And the good people of Astoria, if you're in the neighborhood and you need flowers, don't go to Fred Meyer. Don't waste your time. Go to Safeway. And I would have this day, I would have gone to Safeway, but I was like, no, Missoula Children's Theater, my mental map for Missoula Children's Theater clicked on and it sent me to Hilltop School. Everything Missoula I've ever done, other than when I drove Elsa to practice earlier in this week, had been Missoula at Hilltop, but this time it was Missoula at the Liberty Theater in Astoria, oh. which I had full knowledge of. I talked about it earlier in the day, but for some reason, my brain just went
0: click. We're just conditioned.
1: I, I'm just an idiot sometimes, and I, I'm thinking about other stuff. I'm thinking about podcast stuff or whatever, and I'm on autopilot, and I, dr- I drive past almost every destination I've ever driven to. I drive past it, and I loop around. <laughs> and just, Not only does that let me kind of scan the scene and make sure there's no threats in case I want to bail. Scope it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, I just forget. Anyway, I get to Hilltop, and there's no cars there, and I'm just like, Fuck! <laughs> what and i text my wife i'm like where's the play i'm at hilltop and not only had we gone early got the flowers all that shit but we had to buy the flowers in long beach at sid's uh, and there's been some changes at sid's I, you're you're probably you probably never even been to sid's have you you're an ocean park guy
0: every once in a while but <laughs> usually just to like get a coffee or something that's pretty much yeah. it have
1: you seen they've they've sold it and now it, it's like weird
0: i honestly haven't been in there in it so smells long smells
1: different it's full of strangers they I stack know. things weirdly
0: the strangers are the worst. Don't you feel like, especially on, like, big tourist weekends when you walk in, they're, like, encroaching, basically? Yes. You're like, why do I have to stand in line? Like, exactly. I never stand in line. The the and there's of rage 10 people here. I have here. felt in grocery store lines and small towns
1: when you're just holding, like, a water and a bag of chips. You're like,
0: please. do you, Like, I know we're not, you know, big enough for an express line, but just get out of my way like, and you, ha-
1: you see the checker with and then you have that non communication
0: they're like i know i know just, and just i'm not be- calling anybody you yeah. just wait yeah it's yeah
1: like, uh, because they're they're so pissed anyway because yeah. they're like yeah we see it there's like eight people in the store right now it's a it's the lunch rush but yeah so long story short i didn't get to go to the play because it was at liberty theater and the second she texted me that and she was pretty upset <laughs> Um, because we had talked about it yeah, and I remember it was like, oh yeah, duh, that knowledge was just like very, very accessible. I just didn't go looking for it. And I don't know how we got talking about that in the first place, but (laughs) we, we waited and we went to the late show and it was all fine and dandy. So the, the play was good though. It was fantastic. Shout out Missoula Children's Theater.
0: Oh yeah. You want to talk about school? We can do that. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Uh, Yeah. it's awesome. So
1: just refresh my memory. You're studying what?
0: So I'm studying ag technology and production management over at WSU. I, uh,
1: with the intention of using that after to,
0: to, uh, take over my family's farm, hopefully one day. Um, it's a really solid major. The old, seems ad, like it. the old advisor, unfortunately retired, but they told him like, you know, all your classes are going to be online. And he said, absolutely no way. Old when, guy. Yeah. He, I don't blame him. He actually came down and worked on the shrimp program a little bit in the Willapa, So I kind of knew him. Uh, I I actually saw he was big on like the spike wheel injectors. And Was it Jim Durfee? It was Durfee. The no absolute shit. man. Love that guy. I knew Jim Durfee. Oh, I love him. He he was a really, really good advisor.
1: Wow. Yeah. He's the first guy who ever let me try hummus. You're kidding me. No, Jim Durfee hooked it up with the hum. Oh.
0: <gasps> Yeah, he's he's the man. He's God, the absolute man. small
1: world. Shout out Jim Durfee, yeah. WSU, yeah. retired.
0: I'll have to, I'll, we'll have to send this one his way.
1: Yeah, that's bizarre. <laughs> yeah. So when I was 15 years old, my first job working in the Bay was for Kim Patton, oh yeah, Dr. Kim Patton, at WSU Extension in Long Beach. I yeah. was a research assistant. Basically pushed a wheelbarrow around uh, full of heavy research equipment. Yeah. I did a small project where I filmed shrimp in their homes. It was... Very invasive, um, but yeah, Jim Durfee came down from WSU and he was working on no. that project. That's that's interesting. And he brought sandwiches and he gave me one and I was hungry, so I took it and I took a bite of it. I was like, "What is this magical delight? I've never encountered this creamy bean spread before." Yeah. And he's like, "That's hummus." And I was like, "Cause I'm no. <laughs> uh, Anyway, yeah, that's that's crazy. Small world. No. So he bailed and someone else took over.
0: Yeah, so we got a new advisor. I think he's a great guy. Uh, Originally actually from Willapa Valley, lives over in Idaho now. But uh, Tad Wheeler, Professor Wheeler, good guy. Unfortunately, have not got to meet him in person, and he's been my advisor for a year, which sucks. Uh, Hope to get some Facetime with him next year. Uh, Probably not first semester, but second semester I'll be in some of his classes.
1: I never met my advisor until my junior year. You're kidding me. And she was on campus. I was there too. I could have gone in at any time.
0: We have to or else we can't schedule classes.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Like, we did it all through email. God. Yeah. I regretted it. I felt yeah. like I never pursued any guidance whatsoever. Yeah. And the fact that I have ADHD and, and never got any professional, like, maybe you should take these classes. I was just like, yeah. I'll take that and that and that. I felt like a kid in a candy shop.
0: Just load the bucket.
1: Yeah, yeah. I loved learning. And this is yeah. just, like, there, there's no better place for a, a mind like mine. That was so much fun.
0: Well, that's one of the best things about school, I think, is just like, obviously you got your major. I don't have unlimited time to spend over there, so I stay as focused as I can, but I always find time for classes each semester that I'm like, this is interesting and I want to learn about it. I am a yeah. had a super good introductory history teacher, just really, really liked him, thought he taught the material well, and his whole background is the study of organized crime, wow. like the beginning of time. So I'm taking history of organized crime next year and really excited about it honestly just because it's interesting but
1: that will make you really good at bar trivia yeah
0: that's that's true. one of those
1: things you that people will always find it cool yeah when you know shit about Al Capone and
0: yeah it's pretty neat but yeah. yeah those classes are fun and always gotta if there's anybody going to college listening always take a PE class of some sort every semester if you can yeah I took the best I think I'd Oh, it was two semesters ago. I took fly fishing at That's WSU. PE?
1: Yeah. Wow. Did you go out onto a river and, and you know.
0: No, we went to the it, Valley Playfields in Pullman and sat there and casted fly rods for a couple of hours each week. But Wow. So you have
1: you ever fly fished?
0: A little bit. Yeah. And I honestly I think it's a complete blast. I just, uh I want to go to some different places and do it. Like I want to drive over to Montana and do it. When we went to Montana for hunting season last year, we pulled up. I didn't think there was going to be anything around. And there were just beautiful rivers the entire way. The people who lived in this tiny little town said, like, these are some of the, like, most premier fishing rivers. We have pretty well-respected people come out here and fish these. And I'm like, and I didn't bring even a spinning rod, like nothing. Uh But, no, I was kicking myself. But, yeah, I definitely want to try it. Uh, Yeah, it's always looked fun. Yeah. but (laughs) No, that's – and that's something when I moved back here that I – really want to just i feel like i have pretty good knowledge of it but i want to get specific and dialed into a lot of the different types of fishing here because i know i feel like i've taken a pretty good advantage of it like i grew up fishing salmon a ton like there were summers where my grandpa and i would go literally every day for like a week and just go out and catch salmon i've got to go tuna fishing with him he rigged his sport boat up literally like his old commercial boat with troll poles and hand lines. There were no rods on that boat. Wow. (laughs) We had a great day. We caught a ton of tuna. And uh,
1: so how do you get the fish out of the water without that kind of pole?
0: You just pull them in by hand. Just
1: can you describe that a little bit for people who don't know what you're talking about?
0: Yeah. So uh, basically a troll pole is like you'll have two big poles, um, pretty thick diameter, not like a fishing reel, like a pretty solid mast sticking out on each side of the boat. And off those troll poles will be lines running into the water. Um, In our case, we were using jigs. A lot of people use live bait out there. You'll see one of those lines just get tight, and that means there's a fish on it. And then you grab that line, and you pull it in by hand, and you can get it up to the boat, drop her in the neck, and goes into the bucket. But, yeah, it was That sounds hard. The So the fish we were catching came back at like an 18- 19 pound average so i mean they're solid tuna (laughs) and uh wow especially the long longest line out there like pulling that one in with a heavy fish on it yeah it definitely took a while on a couple of them we got a couple big boys that day
1: but do you like to eat tuna i do
0: i really especially fresh tuna Uh uh-huh it's one of my favorites i had a uncle that worked on the tug system for a long time and he said they used to get tuna when they'd go out there every once in a while and he taught me how to kind of cook the loins. And once I got his recipe, it was... What's your favorite oh, way to cook man. it? I just marinate it in an Italian dressing and throw it on the barbecue. That's exactly
1: what I was going to say. It's,
0: it's the most basic thing. It's so good though. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, that's, I like to keep it simple when I'm cooking. Like if I'm cooking steak, it's oil, salt, and pepper and like yep. nothing else. And if
1: it's a fatty steak, you don't even need the oil.
0: Exactly. If <laughs> you yeah. just... Season it right with the basic stuff and not anything else, and it comes out good.
1: I'll cut a little bit of the fat off the steak and ch- cube it up and put it in the pan first. Just oh, get a little I of like that, that. Render it down a little bit just so there's something in the pan. Yeah. And then it really, like, when it's really, really good steak, salt and pepper and a little sprig of rosemary. Yeah. And that, like, out of my yard. And that's it. Nothing you else. You want to taste
0: the steak. It's so good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and then I sometimes I'll finish it with some Kerrygold butter. Oh, grass-fed yeah. Grass-fed butter.
0: I mean butter poached butter ah, even just so like good. over the top it's uh, yeah what's that, your
1: very favorite cut of beef
0: <sighs> it's tough and take your time that's a really good question
1: i and how and with preparation obviously
0: you know i'm a pretty big ribeye guy i do oh, like realize yeah. a lot and preparation as basic as you can get honestly. medium rare yeah at most you like
1: it? You like a lot of blood. Yeah, I do. The my friend Jeff, when he lived with me, he would get a pan extremely hot, so hot to where it's actually ruining the pan. And, yeah. And he's not gonna pay you for it. <laughs> he gets the pan real hot and then takes a steak and just sears the fuck out of it to where oh, it's yeah. like almost burnt. Yeah. And then flips it over, does the same thing on the other the other side. And I'm picturing this with a New York, so it's like one of the longer kind of yeah. narrow steaks with nice fat throughout. Oh yeah. So it sears up. Real nice. And then he I think he made a sauce out of ketchup, rochester and horseradish. And he smeared it all over both sides and then seared it again. Huh. So it like caramelized on this thing. Yeah. And this is the point where we part ways. I would <laughs> like to then cook the steak more. Uh, but he'll just sit down and start sawing on that bitch and <laughs> eating it right away. Like basically still cold in the middle. And... It was gross, but a lot of people like a good, like when it's quality meat, yeah. people will eat it like that. But I, I, I've tried cause I wanted, I kind of, I kind of wanted to be that guy who eats yeah. the really rare steak, but I generally prefer a medium steak where it's okay. like it's the, the top edge is like started to turn brown. You know yeah. what I mean? At the cross section, you're looking, it's like a, a 25% of the way down is is it turns pink and then so 50 percent of that inside cross-section is pink that's oh, yeah. a perfect steak to me but when it's all pink and the the inside is almost like purple in the middle yeah it's a little squishy you like it like that
0: yeah on occasion if it if it is good meat like if it's a what about wild game steak wild game i do like rare oh yeah. i think uh i mean i feel 10 times safer eating wild game rare than i would any other meat <laughs> really me too I mean i saw exactly what happened to it so i'm not really worried about getting you walked around what
1: it eats like you smelled the smells it smelled yeah like you live in the same place yeah i mean most of the time
0: and i also found that when cooking it rare it comes out a lot better i mean especially like uh if you do cook organs like heart if you ever cook heart horrible very chewy and it tastes like blood it tastes awful (laughs) and when you cook it to that nice like kind of medium rare it comes out pretty good but yeah they
1: have those things uh sous vide. Have you ever seen those? It's like I don't think so. It's like an electronic device with a heating element and a water circulator and you take a pot of water like a regular stock pot. You put this thing clamp it to the outside and it like cycles water through. And then you put the steak in a plastic bag and place it in the water. And then it cooks it to the exact temperature that you want so you can like dial it in perfectly. And then mm-hmm. I think then you pull it out and finish sear it on the stove or whatever. Yeah. But I, I've been very tempted to buy one just because I've ruined, I mean, less and less all the time, but in my life, I've probably ruined 10% of the steaks I've ever cooked just yeah. because uh, I want it to be so perfect yeah. that I'll end up, and I hate having to put a steak back on.
0: Oh, that's the wor- You're just like, it doesn't it, even taste good. By and the you pretty time much just ruin, like when you put it back on, you're like, well, if I cook it more, it's going to ruin it. But if I don't, then either I it's, or the, I'm the person I'm cooking it. for isn't going to enjoy it. So Yeah. It sucks. No. It's a dilemma. Yeah. But,
1: but, so I've been tempted to try that sous vide thing. But I just feel like it sounds gross. Like it's, Yeah, it, it
0: sounds pretty odd. But yeah. But I, I can understand why it would like... They
1: use them in fancy restaurants. Yeah. Which is something that makes me think like, no, yeah, maybe. Well, but. there's
0: a lot to be said for being able to dial it into an exact temperature. That's... Yeah. I mean, that's huge. Like, it's... They have grills that do that now too, though. And that's probably way better. Like the pellet stoves. Yeah. My
1: friend Colton just bought one. of. Have you ever cooked on one of those?
0: I haven't, but I got super into the... uh, I just bought an electric smoker last year. What kind? uh, Mastercraft, I believe it is. Oh, yeah. Those are good. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. The
1: horizontal one that looks almost like a barbecue?
0: This one looks like... uh, It looks like a mini fridge, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah. With a door and everything. I honestly had like two or three Christmases worth of Cabela's gift cards. And I was uh-huh. on there. I'm like, I could use that and I can upgrade from the big chief and <laughs> go The big chief pretty good. Oh, they're so golden. That's I've, I honestly made jerky in this electric smoker and I was like, no, I've got it too dialed in on the big chief. I'm just going to uh-huh. pop it in there. It kind of all tastes the same when you make it in there, but it's got a good flavor.
1: Yeah. I but, had a little chief. Oh yeah. When I was a teenager. Yeah. I worked at Jack's and that's where they sell so much of that kind of stuff. Like I, and I would vacuum the carpets and I would just fantasize about being able to buy all this stuff. And I don't know why I wanted like a smoker really appealed to me. I eventually bought that and the beer maker, the Mr. Beer, (laughs) me and my friend Alex Mack went in these on the Mr. Beer maker. And when we were like, 14 or 15 and we we actually made the batch of beer and everything and printed out labels and it was it was a whole thing and it was before we really were drinking so it, it was just like,
0: like oh this is good <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. it's like i
1: don't know yeah but i have no idea if it was actually good or not but yeah. probably not
0: probably remember it being good though yeah oh, oh it's matters. a very fond memory yeah <laughs> but no i i love that smoker i uh i did a few prime ribs on it and oh, that oh. sounds good I a whole yeah wow and bone-in whole prime ribs I did them for like Thanksgiving or something and they're amazing that they're sounds so
1: like the good. best food you could possibly eat
0: oh it is so good I I cooked it the first time in the first time cooking it like if you look at big cuts of meat like that you're like well this is can be kind of intimidating like you don't want to completely mess it up
1: it's a lot of food to waste yeah
0: but the awesome thing about that smoker bluetooth hooks up to the phone Sends me an alarm and shuts off when it hits temp and then you just pull it out and sear it a little more and then let it rest and it's it's muddy. And that's
1: the new one? Yeah. Yeah. That, the big chief's not on the Bluetooth yet, huh?
0: Not on the Bluetooth yet. It's
1: still just a single electric element.
0: Oh yeah. 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 You it works the, good.
1: It does. It works really good. They're
0: they're pretty damn effective.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does the North Beach Peninsula mean to you?
0: So uh for some reason or another that's always been kind of a a near and dear thing to me
1: i've just always kind of thought um well first of all where is the north beach peninsula
0: so we're on the north beach peninsula say what we live on it um uh to the best of my knowledge and i do not have the working history of my dad or grandpa but they've always been pretty big proponents of it uh That's the legal name of the peninsula. I know. That's
1: what's so funny is because how are you ever going to, like, what? Yeah. You have nowhere to go with the platform for that. No. You can't be like, change the name. I know. It's that is the name. Yeah.
0: And it's (laughs) to the point where I'm like, you know, call it whatever you want. And And people might start, but most
1: of the time it's going to be like, wait, where? Yeah, exactly. Long
0: Beach. Yeah. I just think the name, you know, like, the peninsula isn't just Long Beach. Yeah. It has so much more character than that. I mean... Calling it the Long Beach Peninsula just excludes every other single town. I mean, Seaview that's right next to it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. oh no, screw you guys. we this is the Long Beach Peninsula. <laughs> yep. but,
1: oh, not incorporated Seaview.
0: <laughs> yeah. Jeez. No, it's uh, yeah. Yeah,
1: they might as well call it the Ocean Park Peninsula. I know.
0: I don't think I'd like that either. Honestly, uh, it's not a good look. No, I don't think so. <laughs> And I don't want people in Ocean Park. I'd be fine if they all stayed in Long Beach. Yeah, <laughs> that's
1: fine with me. The Long Beach Peninsula is fine with me too. It but like South Bend is the county seat.
0: Yeah. It's after they stole it from Oysterville.
1: Yep, that's yep. what I was going to say. That's something that was a real dramatic event that yeah. occurred in our little county.
0: Well, and that's what we'd play for in all the South Bend football games. Oh, we yeah. made like an actual chair that said county seat on it.
1: Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah,
0: it was it was pretty fun.
1: We didn't get to play South Bend. We played people from further away well like, you
0: guys were 1a then weren't you yeah yeah, yeah. No, and that's, got slaughtered so yeah.
1: so often
0: and i mean that's a thing that continually comes up now because we're 2b is like oh well you guys are the biggest 2b in the league this isn't even fair and i'm like so it's like
1: 2b or not 2b <laughs> yeah no that's the yeah. Question.
0: yeah i don't think we should be 1a but personal is, opinion, is that the
1: jump is there nothing in between those two
0: no so it's 1b 2b and then 1a.
1: Okay, so it goes back down. After. That doesn't seem like it makes sense to me for some reason,
0: but I might just be not thinking
1: about it right. Yeah. Um so you 1a,
0: oh 2b, got it. So yeah. it's no like just like a different class kind of is what So there's no
1: 3b, like there's 3a. No. I wonder yeah. why not.
0: I don't know. I think Maybe they
1: should start one.
0: You ever I think of that? So. 3B, we're going to be the only school in the league. <laughs> You'll be the league champs. Yeah. Since every year. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, play everything online.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah.
1: What do you think of online school? You must, I mean, you must be used to it by now.
0: So I'll tell you, uh, I did not get a fraction of the information out of the classes that I feel like I really should have.
1: Thank and you. I feel like that's the same. I, I've always felt like yeah, that. It I, sucks.
0: It was, uh, I think. Well, first off, WSU overall, I think they handled the COVID, the COVID situation horribly. They really did not do a good job. And then when COVID spiked over there, they blamed it all on, well, mainly Trump. Greeks. Well, yeah, Trump. <laughs> and uh, Greek students yeah. and fraternity men in particular. But, uh, I mean, of course, everybody sitting at the bar down the street with no masks on is fine, but uh there was a go- lot
1: of double standards being thrown
0: around but when we got there you could not get a COVID test mm-hmm. when we first showed up to school yeah they were real stingy with them everywhere I know. but i uh i had like other friends and they're like i've been COVID tested three times already just for arrival testing couldn't get a COVID test and then i went on they and you could start getting tests so like our house would go test every couple of weeks or whatever if I was coming home, I knew I was coming home, isolate for like 4 or 5 days, get a covid test, isolate for the rest of the time, wait for the results and then drive home.
1: So you were living on in a in campus housing? I was living in a fraternity house. And taking classes on through the computer? Yeah.
0: That sucks. <laughs> yeah, it was horrible. So you
1: get to live with a bunch of dudes and you don't even get to go see any girls? Allegedly. i know you could pursue people still as they're still dating and everything but like
0: like uh college
1: is great because you get to mix it up and be around other people than just your normal
0: people yeah like that sucks well like we we definitely made our our time for hanging out with people but uh what was dating like do you are you do you have a girlfriend i did yeah but uh no definitely just a different year over there um Obviously, you know socially, not anything what it's like. It just it was very, very weird feeling on campus.
1: It's already such a weird year of life yeah. like that first year out of high school out in the world it like it's bizarre, no matter what. I can't even imagine yeah. trying well, to navigate that
0: in my first year completely in person first semester, end first semester, go home for winter break, come back, get a little bit into the semester, and uh we were having events, you know, big parties, uh, exchanges, date dashes, all this fun stuff. Loving it. It was a great Seeing time. Seeing the Chinese
1: news stories yeah,
0: start to trickle in. Exactly. And uh, then, really unfortunate event, a kid passed away at WSU. So uh, really just, you know, you could tell the energy on campus completely changed right after that. From COVID? No, from it was else. before COVID. Um, but he passed away. Energy is completely different, but we're still, you know, getting by. Everybody's kind of hanging out and doing our stuff, kind of. But th- we've kind of put a moratorium on all the big events, just to. Was it somebody in your fraternity? It was in the fraternity right across the street, so it was pretty close. But uh, what happened? Um, I can't remember if the official cause was alcohol poisoning or something. Some tragic yeah, over party. Really, something. really sad. Um, Bummer, and, man. And it was in a house that, I mean, had uh, unfortunately kind of gained a reputation for it. So, Did uh, they
1: get punished? They make an example out of the fraternity? Uh, yeah, they're
0: off campus. They were trying to charge, I think, at least four or five guys with felonies, and then Pullman PD kind of dropped the ball and let everything time out, so now they're getting charged with, like, a gross misdemeanor, I think. But obviously the chapter's gone off campus and they literally two years before had just done like a 10 million dollar renovation on the house so it's a brand new palace but wow yeah but no that happened and then I, i mean i literally remember when it happened i was sitting in a class we had all seen the COVID stuff popping up and we're like all right like swine flu it's
1: yeah that's it that was when what i was in is. college yeah swine flu
0: we're like you know whatever like it it'll happen and we'll be shut down for a little bit and it'll be fine And our professor looked at us and he's like, Hey, honestly, not exactly sure what's going on, but, and we were just about to go on spring break. He said, you know, you guys might want to pack like some extra stuff to take home for spring break. Like make sure you have all your textbooks, make sure you got your laptop and stuff. And sure enough, I never went back to Pullman until the middle of the summer to get my stuff after spring break. I just came home and we were here
1: there was like yeah no one was even traveling
0: no i mean yeah. it was yeah it was pretty nuts over there but i will say the first semester i had over there was an absolute blast it i was, bet i am very excited and hopeful to get back to that next year man
1: thank god you got that
0: yeah they definitely gave me a taste for sure i uh yeah looking forward to it again next so year.
1: so are they planning on starting up in-person classes in the
0: fall yep full in-person in-person attendance of at football games um in-person attendance for recruitment but like Greek recruitment. And uh, yeah, should be a good time. Cool.
1: So do you hold any kind of positions in your fraternity?
0: Yeah. So currently I'm the chaplain. I serve on our executive board. Is that like a priest? Um, that's kind of the conception of it. It's more someone who just kind of upholds the values of the fraternity. Technically I'm disaffiliated right now because I'm a recruitment counselor for next year. So they're not supposed to know which house you're in. Oh, okay. But uh, I'll basically say that I kind of head the board that, um, deals with people that aren't behaving how they should. Oh, Um, okay. So like there's, I mean, there's standard hearings, like people come in and they say what happened and we say what went wrong. And then there's a sanction handed out. But, uh, no, it's, I think it's a really, really important position. Um, I've had a really good time and a really bad time doing it because unfortunately, uh, you do kind of control membership you gotta uh, drop the
1: hammer sometimes
0: yeah and when that happens i mean there are some kids that you know you you like and you've grown close to that are just no longer on the path that they should be that um unfortunately just is not conducive to them being in a greek kind of environment anymore mm-hmm. but uh so is yeah. there
1: is there like civic responsibilities and academic responsibilities? What kind of standards do you have to uphold to be a part of that organization?
0: Yeah, so uh, there's requirements through not only the college, but also through each individual house. For the college, you have to attend a certain amount of programmings each semester, which are basically, you know, guest speakers on a million different topics or uh, like job fairs or something like that. Everybody has to get a certain programming requirement they do in-house and out of house in-house is like we'd have alumni come down and talk about their new investment group that they formed or an attorney or whatever and
1: and you get like credits or or something yeah track
0: and you have to sign in with like your wsu id and they're really really strict about keeping track
1: wow so it's like doing the research participation for psychology major exactly
0: yeah but uh we do those we do a lot of community service different things like the last one we did was a uh, removing wildfire fuel from a county park so they went and cut all the brush we pulled up with like 30 guys and hauled it all down the hillside um, we've done uh, there's a few like they're not oh, they're not like homeless shelters but it's kind of like meals and we go do that
1: what's the biggest misconception people have about fraternities in the general public
0: that we exist solely to get drunk and party
1: i mean that's is that at least part of it i mean it can be if you're doing it right
0: yeah (laughs) yeah
1: but uh, Uh, i'm sorry i'm 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 trivializing it again it's hard it's hard not to because it looks like such a fun thing well i think we're all just jealous honestly
0: well on the outside like that's what's shown like mm -hmm. i mean not everybody is posting a picture of them like standing next to the tree they just planted or doing <laughs> yeah, you're wearing this community a vest service of the, one of those garbage
1: stabbers yeah
0: yeah but they're posting a part they're posting a picture at the party that they had and uh i mean that and is what it
1: is tits out in the background <laughs> yeah, yeah no but, it's probably not like van wilder or animal house or some other movie that makes me look even older i don't know <laughs>
0: It's about the, the furthest you could get away from those, to be honest. Now, yeah, it's but, that's what it sounds like. It sounds yeah. like you
1: guys do a lot of good stuff, yeah, enrich the community. The thing about the credits and learning about like credits to do basically continuing education, yeah, for extracurriculars exactly. that's cool, that's community building, yeah, and that's I good mean, for everybody,
0: we do that. We do a philanthropy event, which are basically fundraising for certain organizations. We had a Member who's one of their siblings had a type of cancer, and we raised a ton of money through them. Quesadillas, we sold the quesadillas. Oh, delicious. And we actually made way more than we thought we were going to do. We were historically bad at making good philanthropy events, but mm-hmm. we made then some money the on that. Came I along. know. But the last one that we did was really cool. Everyone participated in some way, but there are a few main guys who did it. They did the David Goggins Challenge 4x4x48.
1: Oh, man. I was following him on Instagram. Yeah. That looks insane. Yeah. it. So tell us what that is.
0: So it's four miles every four hours for 48 hours. And how many people finished that? We had about, I'd say, 10 to 12 kids finish it. Damn. Yeah. Wow. And we set up, there's a big sleeping porch in our house, which is just basically a big room with a whole bunch of bunk beds. And uh, we basically set it up to be their headquarters. I mean, ice buckets, food, snacks, everything. Went that sounds fun. Hooked them up. Yeah. It was, did you do it? I did not. I am pretty far from a runner. You're I, huge. How much, how much do you weigh, man? I'm probably like 220 right
1: now. What are you, six, three? Yeah, probably somewhere around six. there. You're taller than I thought. Uh, yeah. When you came in, I was like, oh, shit, you're a big dude. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I... Uh, I like hiking a lot, but something about running just, it kills me, man. It's not that fun. I know. It it
1: can be. It's fun for these beautiful moments. I know. But overall, it can be pretty grueling. I've
0: had a couple of those moments where I've been like, wow, I feel really good right now. And then the other times, like everything in my body hurts and I want to stop. Yeah. Your
1: ancestors weren't persistence hunting. (laughs)
0: Yeah. They were wasting
1: with a big rock.
0: Yeah. That's what Um, it was. (laughs) They were dropping something (laughs) off a cliff. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, they did that. Those kids had a great time. And that one, we ended up getting our donation matched by a different foundation that all went towards schooling for children of fallen seals. So yeah, it was really, really neat. It was...
1: Hopefully it feels like it's going to serve you later in life because it totally will. That's You're setting yourself up to be such a well-rounded person that you can go anywhere you want because you're going to have an economic background with your business experience. You're going to know how to work your ass off from working for your family. You're going to just be able to go take those skills and go do whatever you want. And, yeah. and the world's changing so much. We have no idea what opportunities await us in the future. Yeah. And it's going to be, it's going to be exciting. I I'm excited to see what happens.
0: It definitely will be.
1: Uh, do you follow much technology stuff?
0: A little bit. I'll tell you my, uh, I am not the most technological person out there. I feel like, I mean, I'm not either. Yeah, I can do a lot of stuff. I try to follow like new technologies, especially because I got way too into the stock trading stuff last year. So it's addictive, <laughs> and last year was a
1: great year for it. I it was. <laughs> this not so much.
0: No, it's not. Unfortunately, yeah. But no, kind of getting into the different like well, this person makes this part for this company, which is getting bought out by this company. Like that's fun to follow. I like that. That's really really interesting.
1: I haven't been doing it so much lately, but I got into it last year too. What were your favorite things to follow? Were you strictly like traditional stock market?
0: I do not have the like liquid income to put money into that right now. Like I have to pay for school, have to pay for, you know, solid, tangible things at this stage of my life. i plan to move into that when I'm financially capable.
1: Yeah. You're not supposed to invest money that you can't afford to lose.
0: Exactly. Like yeah. I'm i at the end of the day, still a broke college student, so I can't do that. But I just kind of got into the stuff that was interesting to me. Me and of course, a million of other people decided to buy a whole bunch of Dogecoin, which actually worked out pretty good. Did you make some Doge money? i I'd made a little, yeah. You know, right on, it, man. I bought it at about three cents, so it nice. worked out pretty good. But uh, what'd you sell at? Um, I think it was like fifty four or five. That's yeah. a good return. Yeah, it was That's
1: solid. I bought some at like I think it was in the twenty cent region, and I sold it yeah. in the thirty cent region. So I made a little bit of money, but not much. Yeah. I was. It was by that time I had already seen everybody making money. Decided I missed the boat and then people kept making money and I was like, no, I missed the boat. I'm not going to. And then they yeah. kept making money. I was like, fine, I'll try. Yeah, just and then hop I was, on. yeah, that's
0: what, yeah, no, I, uh, I honestly wouldn't have bought it, but we have this buddy that used to be at our fraternity, um, actually kind of like dropped out to be a YouTuber and podcaster, mm. but no, he just sent a, Text in our group chat and he's like, everybody hop on Doge, we're riding it to a dollar. I'm like, there's no way in hell this is ever going to hit a dollar. And it then got it got pretty close, 75 it, cents. Yeah, it gets to like 75. I'm like, oh my God, are you kidding me? If this gets to a dollar, I'm going to kick myself. But
1: Yeah, I really thought it was going to, but after the Elon on SNL thing, yeah. I, I was just like, nope, it didn't make it.
0: I know. And before that, every literally, that was like the most direct correlation. Tweet from Elon Musk about Dogecoin, up 10 cents, like yeah. immediately. Which doesn't work
1: anymore. No, not at he's, all. Because he's tried continuously. Yeah. But I think it was part of a coordinated effort on a much larger scale. It definitely scale. was. And it, I wasn't nearly cynical enough when it came to sources. Yeah. So, especially with crypto. I was just thinking, oh, cryptos you know, it's the Wild West. Big money hasn't made their way in to control everything yet. But I'm pretty sure they have. They
0: created it probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: exactly. No. But... So, but I see it now. Like when every time there there is a short bump, the the news stories are so strategic about what's yeah. being published. Like you'll see five stories in a row. Like this bank is investing in Bitcoin. This bank is is investing in Bitcoin. This country is making it the official currency. You'll see a bunch of positive stories one day, and then a couple of days later you'll see, oh so and so this financial analyst says Bitcoin's not a real asset. Blah 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 blah. It's just like. It's very, very strategic. Yeah. It it reeks of manipulation.
0: Yeah. 100% it does. Well, and I mean, they've made it so easy now that literally anybody with a smartphone can hop on and buy whatever they want. Like... Yeah. It's a mass consumer market. Like, they're literally just getting you to put money in your phone and send it to them, and then you might make some if you play it all right. It is It is legal gambling. Yeah. 100% it is, but... I think you can do it smart, but I also think you either have to have a financial background or get a solid broker and actually put money into it. spend
1: all of your time
0: researching. Yeah, exactly. It's
1: changing so fast. It's brand new technology and it's changing fast. And not only is there competing technologies all advancing together, but they're making cross-platform layers. There's no way to keep up. No. It's really a lot. Not at all. But I don't know. I'm still investing in crypto. Yeah. I'm investing in technology I like, yeah. and platforms that I like. Like I really like Polkadot and Cardano. Those are are two that are kind of tier two. Yeah, they're not Ethereum or Bitcoin.
0: Yeah,
1: or maybe I would even call that probably tier three. But they're the technology is solid, and they're yeah. still expanding. The whole Cardano just expanded all over Africa, and regardless of pop culture sentiment and what the fuck Elon Musk says. I love you, Elon. Don't take it the wrong way. <laughs> I think those technologies are gonna do well. Yeah. I think they're gonna continue to slowly but surely gain market share and, yeah. and increase their spread, and and that's what I really what I want. I don't want to ride a Doge wave. Yeah. I mean, I do. Fuck, of course, but I can't predict that.
0: Yeah, you no. either get
1: lucky or you don't. Exactly. I took a thousand dollars in May, and I was like, I'm gonna buy ten shit coins, <laughs> which I didn't call them that then I called them alt, alt coins, But, you know, given the market conditions since May, eh, they are shit coins now. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I put it all in into 10 different coins, bought $100 of each. And the project is to last a year, I'm gonna come back a year later and, and just talk about I'm gonna make a podcast about it, about what happened over the course of the year yeah. in that, like the altcoin market. Trading volumes in those uh, probably across that little portfolio are down sixty yeah. percent since the purchase. The values are all down. Yeah. I mean I that whole portfolio is probably worth three hundred bucks. Oh shit. Um wow. But and literally eight days before the big crash is when I and I did this. But so I, there's a long way to go on those. But yeah. luckily I bought a bunch of Bitcoin when it was at eighteen thousand.
0: Oh uh, yeah, that's nice.
1: So and I wrote it all the way up. Yeah. And and I honestly I even if I could go back, I would not sell it at 60.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, I would if I, I would, because then I would just buy back in at 29. Yeah, obviously I'm not an idiot, <laughs> but if I was back in that same position where we're at 60 and I still don't know if it's going to go up or down, I'm going to still hold, yeah. like, I, I, I believe in the technology, I really do. And I, I think with the Lightning Network, And just the the layers of expansion that are possible and and the fact that they're moving so much hash power out of China, which is where a lot of that dirty energy was coming from. Yeah. Things are improving. Yeah. And and it's slow and incremental and steady. And I'm going to keep buying. I'm going to keep buying Bitcoin because I think that's going to be one of the the leaders in the future.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, they're so established when you look at everything around them. They just, if there's anything that is somewhat constant or reliable in the market, it's the most established coin, which is Bitcoin at this point, honestly. Yeah, but and it's,
1: it's self-governing. Yeah, Like there's no Bitcoin offices in New York. You yeah. can't go find the CEO of Bitcoin. It's, it's a program. It's yeah. just a code. It's just running. And it works. And yeah. it works even in the face of huge obstacles like blackouts and yeah. China pulling out and all of it. It's going to continue to work. Even if the EU bans... Cryptocurrencies, which I've seen some scare articles about that. Um, I don't know if they're real or not. The price will probably go down and it's going to fluctuate probably a lot. We'll probably see several of these big cycles over the next few decades. But eventually it'll stabilize. Like people will either use it or they won't and and the price will reflect. But I do think it's going to be big.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: And stable coins is another thing that is now getting a lot of attention. Because and, and central bank digital currencies, which the, the central bank digital currency is if our federal reserve bank decides to mint their own stablecoin or their own cryptocurrency. So it's, it's not – it's really no different than cash. It's just a digital form of cash. Yeah. And so many people in leadership positions are saying, oh, then that will eliminate the need for cryptocurrency at all. Like, bitch, you're missing the point. Yeah. It's so that we don't have to ask for your permission yeah. to exchange goods and services. Exactly. That's the whole idea. It's for freedom, privacy, and anonymity if you need it. Yeah. Which I don't know that we do, but I like the option. Yeah. It's nice. A free market is better. Like, even if it does allow the possibility for bad behavior. Yeah. It eliminates the possibility for corruption. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it really
1: does. So it's, I don't know. Yeah. You know, give a little, take a little. Oh, yeah. You just can't have your cake and eat it, too. Yeah. People aren't perfect.
0: Uh, Oh, I've got a great Bitcoin story for you, though. Let's hear it. So uh, I've got a buddy. He decided to get a fake ID when he was in high school. Super sketchy, of course, online, sending stuff to a, like, routed in a different country. And, yeah. Well, the only payment method that the guy would take was Bitcoin. And he bought this in the very early years of his high school when Bitcoin was worth almost nothing. So he bought a ton extra cuz he just like transferred some money and bought Bitcoin. So uh pays how forever however much the fake ID was worth. Then he sees Bitcoin goes up to like I think when it first hit big it was like 30 grand or something around there, 36. And he's like I wonder if I spent all that. Goes in there. He's got like 10 Bitcoin left. Oh my God. Yeah, just smashed the sell button and pay, almost paid for college. Like Holy he, shit. Yeah. He's, what a great surprise. Yeah, he's like, that was, to this point, probably one of the best days of my life.
1: <laughs> I, that probably happened to so many people.
0: Oh my, well, I've saw so many articles like that of just like random people that bought Bitcoin for something dumb and then realized they had Hundreds of thousands of dollars sitting in there,
1: or people who bought Bitcoin and then forgot about it and then couldn't find the got locked
0: out. Yeah, Yeah, I heard those would be so horrible. Like I have millions of dollars, but the thing that I made myself, I can't remember to put in the computer. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's tough. uh, That's a beautiful thing about Bitcoin, but also something that's very dangerous. Is like. No reset codes, no forgot no. password, send me a link, none of that. It's <laughs> just like, you forgot your shit, you lost your shit. Yep. And that's not That's not good. Yeah. But it, it'll make you be responsible, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, I'll probably write those down next time. I'm sure people who did that write down every password ever since. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you need to pretty much need a safe to store that stuff. Oh,
0: yeah, 100%. Yeah.
1: Which is kind of funny because it's all of a sudden – we're back in the physical realm like the the digital currency you still need a safe to store your your hardware wallet but okay before we go let me i know you've got a zoom call so i will i will uh oh you had a zoom call at six didn't you
0: yeah it'll go on for a while though
1: dude we can let you go i I, we're we've recorded a lot we got plenty all um but yeah thank you so much for coming and thank you for letting me ramble on here even After six o'clock, I forgot all about that.
0: You're all good, man. It's in Um, the name.
1: (laughs) Do you have anything you want to hit before you're out of here? I think we We covered everything on this Melissa list. Yeah,
0: we hit some pretty good stuff. Right on. My birthday twin, Melissa. That's right. That's right. Uh,
1: She really appreciates those birthday texts. Oh, yeah. (laughs) When
0: you find somebody in a tiny town that has like the same day, it's kind of like, oh, that's kind of (laughs) cool. You get
1: this. At my pharmacy, two of the pharmacists have my same birthday.
0: You're shitting me. Yeah.
1: And they will not give me their phone number. So I cannot send them birthday texts.
0: That's pretty lame, man. Yeah, I know. God, what a shame.
1: I shouldn't have followed him home from work, but we're birthday buddies. Anyway, thank you so much for coming. This has been really fun. Of course, And man. I learned a ton about being at a fraternity. Yeah. It actually, you legitimized fraternities to me.
0: One conversation can really change it for you, for someone that's had a good experience. I mean, that's I won't... not
1: all beer bongs and butt plugs. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's very true. <laughs>
1: All right. Thanks Jeb. Have a good one and thank you everybody for listening. I'll talk to you next time.
2: It's time to say it which is just now say it which is just now. I'm free. Can't nobody take me.